uh, Lord, studying on, on that message, getting ready for that message. And Lord, as I, as I was just reading the whole chapter and I came across the passage that we read tonight, God, you know, Lord, how your Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart in such a very powerful way. I could only hope, Lord, somehow tonight that I could relate to the people tonight, Lord, in, in, in the same manner that you spoke to my heart. God, if you do, I know this, that there's going to be some hearts that are really going to be touched tonight. And so, Lord, I pray now for the power of the Holy Spirit, not only for the pastor, but God for the people. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would again, that you would not allow the powers of darkness to take away from this time. Father, we plead the precious blood of Jesus over this part of the service. And I pray that all that's done would lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Please fill us down with your spirit and Lord, accomplish your will. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people saying, amen. What a unique Bible character Judas Iscariot is. He's not a Bible character maybe that we even often pay tribute to or even uh, take the time to study. I want to tell you how Judas Iscariot comes across to me. To me, Judas seems to be a spectator of sorts, uh, just sort of, and this is at least sort of the, uh, the, the vibe that I get when I read about Judas in my Bible. Judas seems to me as one that would be sort of wandering in the shadows, uh, sort of uh, hesitating back in the background, hesitant, maybe pessimistic, maybe skeptical, skeptical and waiting, maybe waiting and lingering in the background to sort of see if this Christian life and this message that Jesus is preaching is really, really real. By the way, not preaching on this tonight, but I would just say this. It is a testament that you can be involved in ministry and be lost as can be. Uh, you can know about Jesus. You can be called a Christian. You can be considered a disciple. You can even serve in a ministry and still be as lost as a person can be. I believe that's where Judas was. Uh, Judas was considered a disciple of the Lord. Judas traveled with Christ. Judas saw the, the, the miracles. Judas saw the ministry. Judas heard the teaching. Judas heard the preaching. And yet we believe that Judas was lost. But I believe here that we see what it was that finally pushed Judas over the edge to expose himself as the wicked man that he really was. And I want to share that with you if I could tonight. We notice here that when Judas watched this woman, the Bible says that Jesus was in the house of Simon. And we watch, as we watch this woman take a very expensive alabaster box of precious ointment. By the way, uh, some scholars say, tremendously expensive. This box, this ointment was uh, almost unbelievably expensive. And she comes in the house and she breaks the box of ointment and she anoints the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord, when, 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 when Judas, when Judas watches this lady anoint Christ and use this expensive ointment and uses it all to anoint the Lord. It was literally more than he could stand. 
It was that straw that broke the camel's back. I think that Judas had been thinking about this for a long time. I think that he had already begun to have these thoughts of betraying the Lord. And I believe that Judas's true colors were going to shine forth before too awful long. But as, as Judas watched this act of kindness take place, literally, I believe that it pushed him over the edge. Now, yes, we know that John's gospel tells us that Judas was a greedy man. We know that John's gospel tells us that Judas was the man that carried the money. And Judas was concerned about that, that uh, ointment being sold for a certain amount of money so Judas could have his hand in the till, so to speak. But I honestly believe that Judas was offended that this expensive gift would be dedicated totally toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I'll go a step further. I believe it's quite possible tonight that Judas felt like Jesus was even maybe a little arrogant and maybe even a little conceited for allowing this amazing act of love and this amazing act of kindness to be poured solely on himself. Here lies the problem. Judas only saw Jesus as a regular man. Maybe a good teacher, perhaps, but only a man. A teacher of good things, but only a man. Maybe even a prophet, but only a man. In fact, as, I, as the Lord was unveiling this message to me, it seemed the Spirit of God took me to Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 49. We all remember the story where the Bible says that Jesus is in the garden and Judas has betrayed the Lord and he, he brings the entourage there to the garden to take the Lord Jesus by force. And remember the story? He tells the man, he says, listen, whomsoever I shall kiss. He said, that's him. And I found Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 49. And the Bible says, here comes Judas with this group of people with sticks and spears and weapons. And the Bible says in verse 49 about Judas, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. That word master is the word rabbi. In other words, Judas said, I believe he's a teacher. I believe he may be a prophet. I believe he may be a great rabbi. But Judas never saw Jesus as the glorified Christ. You see, Judas, I think you probably would have been right to have those feelings. If this had been one of the disciples that received this ointment, if the lady had come in and broke this expensive box of alabaster ointment and, and, and if she would have put it on Peter or she would have anointed James or she would have put it on John, well, I think maybe you may have had some grounds to be upset. Hey, Judas, I think your feelings probably would have been justified had this woman came in and, and anointed Simon the leper. But when you identify Jesus Christ as anything other than the glorified Savior, you'll have a problem with things that come with living the Christian life. When you see Jesus as anything other than what he really is, 
You say, what is he, preacher? I'm going to tell you what he is. He is the glorified son of the living God. And anytime you see him any other way than that, I'm telling you what, you're not going to enjoy living the Christian life. People say, Brother Pope, don't you think y'all have too many services at Calvary? I mean, Sunday morning and 10 o'clock Sunday school. And then you come back on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And then you come back Wednesday night at 7.30. I mean, you know, then you've got revivals. And then you have conferences. And then you have Bible schools. And then you have all these other things that you're doing at Calvary Baptist Church. Brother Pope, don't you think that's a little bit excessive? And I want to say, yes, I do. Until I see Jesus for what he really is. And when I back up and I begin to look at the Lord and I realize he's not just a man and I realize he's not just a teacher and I realize he's not just a rabbi and I realize he's not just a healer and I realize he's not just a prophet. But when I step back and I look at the, at the, at the Son of God and I realize, you know what he is? He is the glorified Jesus. I say this, we're not having enough services. We're not only having too many. We're not having enough. I'm going to tell you what, what a God that we serve tonight. People say, do you really Give 10% of your income to the church. And especially right now, they say, wow, man, that is insane. Do you really do that? And the answer is, yes, we do. And someone says, preacher, don't you think that is excessive? Not when you recognize Jesus as the glorified Savior that he is. People say, preacher, do y'all really go out and knock on doors and distribute tracts and religious handouts? And I want to say, yes, we do. And they say, hey, don't you think that's a little cultish? And I want to say, you know what? If he was just a man, yes, it would be. If he was Joseph Smith, yes, it would be. If he was Muhammad, yes, it would be. Hey, if he was Charles Taze Russell, yes, it would be. But you know what? When you back up and you realize that he is what he is, he's the glorified, living, loving son of the living God. I want to say, no, it's not cultish. It's exactly what we ought to do. People say, you mean to tell me that your pastor at Calvary Baptist Church actually preaches that a Christian ought to dress a certain way. You mean to tell me that your preacher preaches messages that say that women ought to dress modestly and that men and boys ought to look like men and boys? That Christians ought to look nice when they attend the house of God? Hey, preacher, uh, don't you think that's a little bit legalistic. Hey, preacher, don't you think that's asking a little too much? I want to tell you this. Not when you recognize Jesus as the glorified Savior that he is. Why is it tonight that we have people that go out from Calvary Baptist Church to plant churches? Why is it tonight that we have people that go out from Calvary Baptist Church? And by the way, we miss them. They go out, they go out from this church to pastor other churches You say, preacher, why is that? 
because they recognize Jesus Christ as the glorified Savior. Now somebody says, preacher, why do we have people surrendering to missions and living out from Calvary Baptist Church? People that we love, people that are part of us, people that are part of this family, and yet they're going to leave, and we're not going to see them like we would normally see them. And, and, and they're going to leave. And somebody says, preacher, why is that? And I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, they realize that he's more than a good man and he's more than a good teacher and he's more than a good person. But somewhere along the line, they came to that place where they realized, hey, he is what he says he is. He is Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the glorified Christ. And when they see that, they say, hey, it's, not, it's, it's all that I can do to go out and serve the Lord in missions. This world looks at us and they say, hey, Calvary, why are y'all so dogmatic? about restoring public worship. I mean, a drive-in service? Are you serious? I mean, preaching on a trailer? Are you serious? I mean, people coming to the house of God, sitting in their cars, and I mean, what is that about? I mean, why, why, why do y'all see church as so important? Hey, are you listening? Are you listening? This is why we see Calvary Baptist Church as so important, because Jesus is more than a man. He's more than a teacher. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a rabbi. Jesus Christ is the glorified Christ, the anointed Son of of the living God. By the way, it's why we strongly reject any religion and any church that makes Jesus out to be anything less than the glorified Son of God. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. It's not enough as a church just to say, he was love, as Brother Brandon said a while ago. Oh, he was love, don't get me wrong. He was love, but he was more than love. You see, it's not enough that we say he was a good teacher. Oh, he was a good teacher. In fact, he was the greatest teacher. There's never been a teacher teach like this teacher. Uh, listen, he was a great preacher. I promise you that. He's the prince of preachers. There's never been a preacher preach like Jesus Christ. He was a great healer. Oh, yes, he was. Uh, there's no one that can heal like Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, my dear friend, it's not enough just to say he was a teacher. And it's not enough to say he was a preacher. And it's not enough to say that he was a teacher. I'm going to tell you what, buddy. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is all I'm saying. And I know this is so simple tonight. But when you see him as anything less, you know what? You'll never enjoy living. The Christian life. You know what? If you don't put Jesus in his proper place, you'll see church as a drudgery. You'll see tithing as an obligation. Somebody says, preacher, do you know you're preaching this on the, on the uh, live stream? Absolutely do. God told me to come preach it tonight. You know what? If you don't put Jesus in his proper position, You'll see tithing as an obligation instead of a privilege. Do you know the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth 
a cheerful giver. And somebody, somebody listens to that and they say, preacher, I don't get it. And I'm trying to tell you how you can get it tonight. Somebody says, preacher, I don't get it. How can you be a cheerful giver? How, how, can, how can Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, you, you mean to tell me that y'all still take up an offering? Sure do. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. You mean, wait a minute, preacher. You mean to tell me in 2020, y'all still pass the plates? Sure do. And somebody says, well, I, I, I don't see how that doesn't kill the spirit. And you know what? It would if we didn't know who Jesus was. Well, my dear friend, would you put Jesus in his proper place? And you realize who he was and what he is. And you realize that, you know what, he's more than just a man. You realize he's the glorified Savior. Did you know what? Did you know you can't wait for the offering plate to get to your seat? Amen, brother. That's exactly right. Hey, it's not a drudgery. It's not an obligation to give. Thank God. Hallelujah. When I realize how great and wonderful he is, when I realize how high and lifted up he is, I'm going to tell you what, buddy, it is a privilege. It is an honor to give to him. When you see Jesus is anything other than he is, you'll see standards and holiness as legalistic. When you see Jesus as anything other than he, what he really is, you'll see serving in a, minist- in a ministry as a ball and chain. It's something you gotta do. When you see Jesus in any other light, You have to endure preaching. I feel so sorry for you folks. I love so many of you, but some of you watching tonight maybe, that's where you are. You endure church. It's like the tribulation period every Sunday morning. You have to come. When you see Jesus as anything other than the glorified Christ, you'll dread reading your Bible. When you see Jesus as anything other than the glorified Christ, You'll have a disdain for prayer. Oh, listen to me, church. But if you ever get a glimpse, if you ever get a glimpse of what Jesus really is, well, I'm about to have a spell tonight with nobody here. I'm telling you what, if you ever get a glimpse of what Jesus really is, you know what? You'll be waiting in line to do something for him. I was thinking about our maintenance team here at Calvary. And I know for some of you watching, you don't, you don't go to Calvary, you know what I'm talking about, but we have, a, we have what we call a maintenance team ministry. It's one of the most amazing things you'd ever see. After every service, we have some folks that are involved in that maintenance team, and after every service, they grab brooms, mops, vacuum cleaners, dust cloths, and I'm telling you, it, it is an, you know what? It's worth coming here just to see our maintenance team go at it. And that maintenance team has a different section. All the maintenance teams divided up and have a different section. And after every service, there'll be folks over here vacuuming and folks over here dusting, folks over here cleaning, folks over here sweeping, folks over here swiffing, folks over here, you know, uh, 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 taking care of the restrooms. <laughs> and some people listen to that, they go, what? I mean, listen, that would be beneath me to do that. You say, preacher, how in the world can you convince people to come on Sunday in their Sunday go to church clothes and 
vacuum carpet and sweep a floor and mop a floor. And how, how can you convince them to do it? I didn't convince them to do it. You see, what happened was one day, <laughs> they got a glimpse. Whoa, come on now. They got a glimpse of what Jesus really is. You know what? He's not just a man. He's not just a personality. He's not just a politician. Hey, he's not just something good. He's not just something mediocre. But one day, they got a glimpse of Jesus, and they realized just how wonderful he is and how sweet he is, and they tasted of Jesus. And you know what? They realized he's the glorified Christ. And when you ever get to that point, you know what? You'll be glad to run a vacuum cleaner. You'll be glad to sweep with a mop. You'll be glad to do some dusting. Why? Because he is what he said he was. That's why. What would convince a David Livingston to serve in Africa as a missionary? They said about David Livingston when they found his body that, they had, that he had 22 different diseases in his body, but Livingston would not stop. They said his arm had been mauled by a lion, but David Livingston would not stop. Then he said his wife had died early in his ministry, but David Livingston would not stop. They said that he walked some 29,000 miles across the continent of Africa, but David Livingston would not stop. He penned these words in his diary. He said, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever me from any tie, but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. And we read stories like that and we say, wow, preacher, I don't understand. What would convince that missionary to sacrifice, to give his life, to give his all to the people there in the continent of Africa? What, what, what do you say, Pastor? I don't understand that kind of motivation. I don't understand that kind of passion. What was it? And I'll tell you exactly what it was. One day, David Livingston realized that Jesus is the glorified Christ. What would convince a young lady to pick up a desecrated Bible and wipe it off with the hairs of her head. What are you talking about, preacher? In a, in a closed country to the gospel, one night a church was meeting and in, in the course of that service, communist soldiers rushed in with machine guns and they told that church, they said, anybody who will we're going to take the pastor's Bible and we're going to throw the pastor's Bible in the floor. And anybody who will walk out now and spit on that Bible, we will allow you to leave and you won't be bothered. They said that folks begin to get up and they begin to walk by that Bible and spit on that Bible. One by one by one, they went out and all of a sudden a young lady maybe a teenager, walked by and she came to that Bible and she stopped. And she knelt down on her knees and she took that Bible with the hairs of her head. She began to, she began to wipe the, the spittle off of that desecrated Bible. 
She said, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And I'll not spit on this Bible. Wait a minute. You say, preacher, did they do what they said they would do? They did. She was martyred right there and then on the spot. Somebody says, pastor, what in the world would convince a teenage girl to take a stand like that? I'll tell you exactly what it was. Somewhere along the line, she got a glimpse of Jesus. And she realized, you know what? He is the glorified Christ. You know, I thought about this week, and we're going to be done. I thought about, I thought about Peter. Most of, the, most of the apostles were martyred. And I thought about Peter. They tell us, historians tell us that Peter, that Peter was crucified. In fact, when they got ready to crucify Peter, Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. He said, turn me upside down. And historians tell us, yes. <laughs> historians tell us that the apostle Peter was crucified on a cross upside down. I got to thinking about that a little bit and I thought, Lord, Lord, what in the world would convince a man to take such a stand and to be crucified not only crucified, but crucified upside down. And the Lord led me to Mark chapter 8. Hey, remember that story? Where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, whom do men say? Everybody all right? Hold on, Brother Brandon. I'm about to, I'm about to run out the door right now. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting so full, I'm about to have a spell. And, and, and Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And they said, well, Lord, some say you're Jeremiah and some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but... Whom do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, Thou, yes, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You say, Pastor, what would convince a man to be crucified and crucified upside down? I'll tell you what it was. He knew Jesus was more than a teacher. He was more than a healer. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a rabbi. He was the glorified Christ tonight. Oh, are we having a good time in church tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, Calvary, can't you wait to get back? What would convince an apostle John to keep serving God after reportedly being boiled in oil and surviving? Some historians would have us believe that the apostle John was poisoned. Supposedly he was to be poisoned to death, but the Lord sustained him. What would convince a man like the Apostle John after being boiled in oil, possibly poisoned now? He's been banished to a prison island called Patmos. And yet the Apostle John keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. You say, hey, preacher, that's a good, good question. What would convince him to do that? Can I show you? Would you take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 1, and we're done. We're done. We're going to pray. Revelation chapter 1, and would you look at verse number 9 with me? Revelation 1, verse number 9. John said, I, I John, verse 9, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation. 
and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and I heard, I heard behind me a, a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Watch now, watch now. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like into fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. You say, preacher, what in the world would convince John to keep going and going and going through severe persecution? And this is what it was. John kept serving. God kept, uh, John kept grinding. John kept going. You know why? Because one day John got a glimpse of Jesus and he realized, you know what? He was exactly what he said he was. He was and he is the glorified Christ. Hey, Christian, how do you see Christ today? Have to beg, borrow, and steal, try to get you in the house of God? Have to prime and prime and prime and prime, try to get an amen out of you? Does the Lord have to beg and beg and beg and beg and beg and get you to read your Bible? You know what the problem is? Same problem Judas had. He never got a glimpse of who Jesus really was. Can I encourage us today to understand that he is high and lifted up. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our glory. And my dear friend, he is worthy of our service because he is the glorified Christ. Father, I'm, I'm going to let Brother Allen start some music. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be gathered tonight. And Lord, I don't know if anybody else watching by way of live stream, I don't know if anybody else got any help, but I know one thing, you lit my fire tonight. And I'm so glad that the Savior I serve is not just a man nor is he just a teacher or a preacher or an evangelist. But he is the glorified living son of God. Father, right now, by way of the live stream, I'm asking you to speak to some hearts. It could be right now some folks need to 
find a place. Maybe make their way to a bedroom or a bathroom. Maybe pull off the side of the highway. And right now say, Lord, would you give me a glimpse? God, I understand. You know what is a privilege? It's a high honor to serve you. I'm so glad I get to go to church. Lord, I'm so glad I get to read my Bible. It's an honor to spend time in prayer because you are the glorified Christ. Hey, listen, if you're watching tonight and you don't know that glorified Christ, can I tell you several things? Number one, the Bible says we're all sinners in need of a Savior. You're listening to a sinner right now, but a saved sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Every one of us have. And because of our sin, the Bible says there's a penalty to pay. Romans 6, 23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God loved you so much, my dear friend, that he sent his son Jesus for you. Jesus came, took your sins upon him, took my sins upon him. There he went to the cross of Calvary and he bled and he suffered and died so you and I could have eternal life. They placed him in a grave, but the Bible says that three days later, God raised him from the dead. He died for you, was buried for you, but thank God, he has been risen for you. And he wants to save you today. Our Bible says this, that if you'll put your faith and trust in Christ, if you'll believe that he died for you and rose again, that Jesus Christ will save you right now where you are and he'll make you a child of God you say pastor I like that I'd like to have that how can I get that John chapter 1 says to as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name Romans 10 13 says it like this for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved right now wherever you are right now out of a heart of faith I want you to say something like this to him dear Lord dear Jesus I'm sorry for my sins Lord forgive me right now forgive me for my sins please please I believe you died for me and rose again and right now dear Jesus please come into my heart and life and save my soul Tonight, I make you my Lord and Savior. Take me to heaven when I die, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Now help me to live my life for you. Hey, good neighbor, listen. If you prayed that prayer just now, if you prayed that prayer, oh, listen, I want you to do something right now. I want you to comment. I want you to comment. And say, Pastor, I just became a believer. Preacher, I just got saved. I just became a Christian. I just gave my heart to Jesus. You comment, please, so so we can rejoice with you. We want to rejoice with you. Then, dear child of God, tonight, find your place. Maybe tonight you just need to rededicate your life to Christ. Understanding He is the glorified Jesus. Father, Thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. Oh, it's been so great. 
Lord, we sure love our Calvary family. We're so thankful for them. They mean the world to us. Thank you for our church family. Lord, we want to thank you for Jesus tonight. Thank you for the glorified Christ. God, help us to get a glimpse of him and what he really is and who he really is. And I pray that we'll serve you faithfully until the trumpet sounds. I pray you'll be with our folks this week. Bless us. And Lord, soon and very soon, I pray you'll bring us back together as a church family. We love you and praise you, Lord. You're wonderful, more than wonderful, in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary, we love you. Have a great night. Hey, listen, we'll live stream Wednesday night, 7.30. We hope that uh, you'll be tuning in for that. And then all those that are watching tonight, you're not a part of our church family. We love you and the Lord as well. And uh, listen, hope you have a great rest of the night. God bless and take care.